Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Scootybarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Scootybarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. This morning, before we go into the message, I'm going to ask our transition team to come on forward. Yeah, right back here in the back and right here. Come on up to the front, guys. Go ahead and pull the lights up, if you will. So we want to take some time during this, uh, this service to pray for this team. Now, I want you to remember that this team was selected by the church. And so we took all of the names that were put down on the... You can just stand right here. be fine. All of the names that were put down uh, by the church itself who they felt would be, uh, who the church felt would be a good team for the transition that we're going through for the next six months. And I have to tell you, I'm extremely pleased. They have absolute confidence, or I have absolute confidence in them. Maybe, maybe there's one or two that, that I'm a little questionable about, but that's just, that's just a joke. No, oh, oh, I'm not. <laughs> and what I really love about this is we've got folks who have been here. How many, who, who's been here the longest at, at First Baptist? Probably Ron or Tom. Ron or Tom. How many years have y'all been, roughly? 33 years? Okay. And uh, we've got some new folks, too. How long have you been here? Two years-ish? A couple years. And Tim, about two years, a year and a half, too. So this, I think... I don't think the church knew they were doing this, but I think by wisdom of design, we have people who are long-term, and we have people who have just been here for a little while, and that gives us a good view. Now, what you don't see is anybody under the age of 50, right? Here's why. Because they're not making the decisions. They're simply listening, and so you're going to have conversations with them. So if you're 14 or 13, your opinion matters. Okay? Your thoughts on this matter. You might have something that nobody else thought about because you got space in your head to think about those things, right? So what they're going to do, though, is they are the engine that's going to drive the transition. You are the fuel. So over the next several weeks or the next several months, we already met on Wednesday. And uh, again, I, I, I've got full confidence. So without any further ado, I'm going to ask you to pray that this team would lead us well. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of time. They need your prayers, okay? And as you're praying, I'm going to ask you to place your trust in them, that they will do a good job, but also that they will represent you well, okay? So take a moment, if you will, and just pray for this team. Father, we do ask that you would bless this group of men and women with wisdom, with discernment, with ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to love like Jesus. We pray that you would give them stamina. We pray that you would give them steadiness. We pray that you would give them courage. And we pray that you would lead them well so that they could... Lead us well. 
Father, we trust you in this whole process. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to walk through these doors over the next six or eight months. God, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Oh, you want me to introduce them? Okay. So this is Alan Sanders. This is uh, Tim. This is Paul Smith. This is Rhonda Dorfman. This is Sherry Crook. I feel like Duck, Duck, Goose. So one of y'all. This is Tina Landry. This is Tim Reichert. This is Ron Pfeiffer. And this is Tom Carter. If you don't know, Tom Carter is Mary's dad. Does that make sense? All right. Y'all, yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Go ahead. Thank you. Did y'all hear that? He's proud of you. Just take your hand. All right. So, Peter was in the boat. The wind and the waves had been against them all night long. It was sometime early in the morning, sometime between 3 and 6 a.m. So the sun hasn't come up, but maybe it was starting to peak over the dawn. Peter's in the boat with the rest of the disciples, and Jesus was nowhere to be found because he stayed on the shore to pray. And they were up all night trying to get across the lake, but they, they didn't get very far because it was so difficult. They were worn out, and these were seasoned veterans of the sea. They weren't beginners, so they knew what was up. And then out in the distance, they saw this thing hovering towards them seeming to be walking along the water. And when it got close enough to where they could see that it was a person, the Bible said that they had great faith. No. The Bible said that they were terrified and they cried out in fear. It's a ghost. We're about to die. And Jesus heard them and he said, don't worry about it. It is I, Jesus. And then Peter Being like Peter was the first to speak. He said, Lord, if that's really you, I want to walk on the water too. I think that what he was saying was, man, I've seen you feed 5,000 plus 5,000 more with two fishes and five loaves. I've seen you raise a paralytic. I've seen you raise somebody from the dead. I've seen you call people who were blind to be able to see. And and, and I want to, if this is really you walking on the water, I want to get in on some of this action. I want to do some of this. That's just what I think he was doing. Maybe, maybe he was just speaking out of his mind and he was like, uh-oh, what did I say? But I think more that he was thinking, man, I want to do that. And so he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come and I will come. And Jesus said one word, come. You know, the truth is, all that was going on was important. But the only thing that was really important was this. What did Jesus That's really all that matters in your life, too, by the way. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay the importance of situations and circumstances. I'm not trying to downplay your feelings or emotions. But I'm just saying that really the only thing that matters in your life and in my life is this. What did Jesus say? And here's why that's the only thing that really matters. Because Jesus is Lord over the wind and the waves. 
Jesus is Lord over any sickness and disease. Jesus is Lord over any financial issues. Jesus is Lord over all the earth, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The Bible says that all things are subject to his authority. Therefore, if Jesus is all that, then all I need to know is, Lord, what did you say? Because I know that when he says it, it's going to be done. Amen? So here's the hard question, though. How do we know what Jesus said? Well, you say, well, it's easy. Just go to the Bible. Yeah, but you know what? The Bible doesn't give me every specific of my life. I mean, I know directions, and I know rough, rough things, and I, and, and I know, I know, I know some, 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 spe- some specific things, but there's a whole lot of area in between the commands and in between the things that Jesus specifically said that I don't know what to do. And furthermore, Jesus calls each of you, each of us, to a particular place and a particular people. I mean, if we believe that, that God is at work in our lives, and if we believe God is at work in the world, then wouldn't it make sense that he calls us to people, places, things, for purposes, if he, know the plan, if he knows the plans he has for us, right? If, 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 he, if he's ordained our, our thoughts, and our, or, or rather our, our steps, before we, we were even born, wouldn't it make sense that, that he has a, a, a path for us? So the question again is, how do we know what he said to us? I mean, I know what he said to us, but I want to know what he said to me, right? Well, I want to help you to discern a little bit of that today in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament right before 2 Samuel. There, I was very helpful. 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you have to go to the table of contents, there's no shame in that, by the way. Just go to the table of contents, look at, that, look at the number, and go straight to it. 1 Samuel chapter 3. So this is a really cool story because it's the story, it's the story of the beginning of Samuel's ministry. Well, I say it's the beginning. It's, it, it's kind of after the beginning because I think the beginning is before you're ever born. But, but it's, after, it, it's like the start of when he really starts into ministry. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says, The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. Here's a truth that you can take away right now. You don't have to be in a place, a certain place, or doing a certain thing in order to hear God's voice. God speaks far more than just inside this building. Amen? He doesn't need you to come to a worship service to hear what he has to say to you. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be here because the truth is the the more consistent you are in worship and in Bible study, the more consistently you're going to hear God's voice. You, you, You can't exercise once a month and be like, man, I'm looking good, right? How many of us do that? We get all excited about exercise once a month or twice a month, and we're like, man, I don't understand. I'm not seeing any change. Well, yeah, you want to see change, you got to do it consistently every single day and every single week. It's the same way with worship, by the way, just in case you didn't know. So there was a, a time when the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. So God wasn't speaking a lot in those days. There was somewhat of a dryness and a, and a desert going on. And yet God was still working. So just because there was a dryness doesn't mean that God wasn't at work. I think what it means is that people just weren't listening. 
But nevertheless, one day, verse 2, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, he was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Principle number one, if you want to hear God's voice, it's not a place that you have to be, not a physical place, but it is a spiritual place. To hear the voice of God, you've got to be searching and listening for the voice of God. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't call your name before you're searching. But I'm saying at some point, you have to turn to him and you have to start listening. But even though he can speak if you're not searching, you're more definitively going to hear God when you are searching. Does that make sense? So in other words, the Bible says, search for me and you will Find me when you search with all your heart. How hard you search will determine how difficult it is to hear God's voice. And so here's the pattern. You, at the beginning of your walk with Christ, are going to have a harder time hearing his voice because it's an unfamiliar voice. And yet in John 10, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Well, a baby ewe lamb doesn't know the voice of the shepherd when he's born. Right? Because he's brand new. He, he, just, he didn't have ears yesterday. He was born, now he has ears. And so he's learning. But as that ewe lamb becomes a one-year-old and becomes a five-year-old and becomes the mother lamb, the, the one who like controls the whole herd, I don't know what they call that, but basically the boss hog is what it is. The boss lamb, right? The, the lambo, you know, lamb boss, there it is. When, when, as, the, as the lamb gets older, there's a more, more of a sensitivity to the voice of the shepherd. Now, all three of my kids either played a sport or they, they were in band or they did something where there were large crowds and Shannon. Now, and it, I'm just saying, they heard her voice since they were born. You know, she'd yell out the door, time for dinner or something like that. So they got accustomed to the tone and to the intensity and to the, to the cadence of her voice. And if you ask any of the three children, when Sarah was on the field at, high, at the high school and she was marching, in, and she played the, the, the xylophone, so I guess she wasn't really marching, but she was out there. We'll, we'll pretend she was marching. She was, she was in the midst of all that noise, and there were a thousand people in the stadium. She always heard her mother's voice. And in Hannah, when she was running around the track, and there were, gosh, 30 or 40 people there in the stadium. Because <laughs> track's not... <laughs> I'm glad y'all laughed at that. That was, that was funny in my head. Okay, but when you went to state, there were thousands of people watching, right? I mean, just this right here. This, this is a great sport. I love it. So, I'm dizzy now. So, even in a thousand people, Hannah would always say, Mom, I heard your voice. Right, And she'd be like, I don't care what they think about me. That's my kid. Here's the thing. The reason that they heard, oh, and when Josh was playing baseball, all the crazy moms in the stands, he, he knew how to pick out his non-crazy mom in the stand. Why? Because there was a familiarity. Listen, it's frustrating when you're young in your faith because you feel like, man, I don't know why I can't hear God's voice. Just hold on, be patient. Learn, continue listening because the more you hear it, the more you recognize it. I promise you, if you will consistently listen and obey the voice of God, that's the key. If you listen and disobey, you're not going to learn to hear his voice. Why is God going to tell you something that you're not going to do anyways? 
The more you say no, the less you're going to hear. That's just a principle. It's just the truth. But the more you listen and say yes, the more you are going to hear because he's going to entrust more and more to you. It, it, when, when, you're, when you're growing in your faith, there will come a day when the Lord just has to whisper and you hear it and recognize it. That's what happened to us when we were walking uh, along a high point a couple, couple months ago. I literally heard the voice of God and I said, yes, Lord, we're good. Now, the truth is I had been saying yes for 19 years. God has always had the yes. I've always prayed, Lord, whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, however you want, my answer is yes. Which actually is the second thing I want to tell you. The Lord came to Samuel, verse 4, and he answered, here I am. So the answer to the voice was yes, here I am at your service. What do you like me to do? Now, interestingly enough, he was saying yes before he even knew who it was who was calling. Which I would translate to say, we need to say yes to God before we even know what it is he's trying to say. Now, let me just walk you through why we can do this and why we must do this. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, you have surrendered to Jesus as the Lord of your life. You've heard the word Lord and Savior, right? So the word Lord means owner, master, boss. Lord means one who has ultimate authority and ultimate control. So if Jesus is Lord of your life, who owns your body? Jesus does. If Jesus is Lord of your life, who owns your voice? Jesus does. If Jesus is Lord of your life, who owns your dreams and your desires? Jesus does. So if Jesus is Lord, then saying yes before you know the question is easy. Because you serve, we serve, at the pleasure of our King. And here's the best part. We don't just serve at the pleasure of our King. He is our King. He's King Jesus. But He's also Father God. He's also one who doesn't just seek to use us for his purposes, but he also seeks to use us in the way that he made us. So ultimately, you find your greatest fulfillment when you are in the exact center of the will of God. He has built you, he has formed you, he has created you with all the things that he's created you with. Now listen. He created you with all of the, the, the perf perfect things about you, not the sinful things about you. That's where we go astray. So when we say yes to God, he says, okay, now that you've said yes, let me shave a little bit off the side, right? Let me give you a haircut. Let me trim some things. Let me teach you some things because I can use you now and I will use you now, but I'd really rather use you when you're much sharper and when, when, you're, when you're much more perfected. By the way, that's the process of sanctification, that's what God does. And every time we say yes, we give God the right to take away or to add as he sees fit. Amen? And so Eli said yes. He said, here I am. You called me. And Eli, or I say Eli, Sam, Samuel said that. And then Eli said, uh, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. And so when he went to lay down, the Lord called him again. Samuel. Once again, 
he got up and he went to Eli and he said, Have you, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. Now verse 7, so Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up and went to Eli and Eli said, boy, would you stop messing with my sleep? I mean, think about it. Eli has been sleeping. He's been woken up. This is now the third time being awakened out of sleep. And, and it's that sweet sleep, too. It's like that early morning sleep just before you wake up, right? Because the lamp of God had not come out, gone out yet, which means it was somewhere between like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. And so Eli was like, I think I know what's going on here, which is the third thing I want to share with you. So not only do you need to seek the Lord, not only do you need to give him a yes before you even know the question, but you need to listen to wise, godly counsel. You need to ask people who know Jesus, to help you discern the voice of Jesus. Now, you're not going to let them speak into you and just do whatever they say, but you're going to match up what they say with what you think you're hearing. And if you have a lot, if you have wise counsel saying that is not what God is saying, you need to take note. Now, I'm not saying that it's impossible for them to miss God, but I am saying that more than likely, if they're truly godly, spiritual, wise people, they're hearing the voice of God, and they're going to help you to discern God's voice. Now, what does it mean to be a wise, godly person? It's not necessarily someone with position. So just because they're a pastor, preacher, self-acclaimed prophet, whatever, doesn't mean that they actually hear God's voice. Just because they offer good public prayers doesn't mean they're godly, spiritual, and walk with Jesus. Just because they know the Bible verses and are able to tell you Bible verses does not mean that they walk with Jesus. Because all of those things can be faked, right? I mean, I can fake a really good public prayer. If I'm a good enough speaker, if I'm good enough on stage, I can pray in a way that you'll go, wow, that was deep. And my heart could be a thousand miles from Jesus. That's actually what the Pharisees did all the time, right? I could pop Bible verses to you and I could, I, I could answer your questions with the Bible. So what you're really looking for is the person who walks with God. Not by position, not by, not by external appearance, but it's the kind of person when you're in their presence, you just know that they walk with Jesus. There's a little bit of, there's a little bit of uh, 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 sensitivity that you have to have there. So does that make sense? So Eli was able to say to Samuel, Samuel, I think I know what's going on. The Lord is speaking to you, but you're confusing my vo his voice with my voice. So go back, and the next time you hear it, I just want you to answer the same way you've been answering, but I want you to switch it just a little bit. I want you to say, here I am, Lord. And so he did. He goes back. And Samuel went and lay down in the same place. And the Lord came. By the way, did you see that there? There is a consistency in Samuel's life. There is a consistency. You want to know what faithfulness to the Lord is? It's going the same direction over a long period of time. That's actually, I think, what a lot of what discipleship is. You're going in the direction of Jesus over a consistent, long period of time. And as you go that direction, what you're doing is you're hearing God's voice little by little by little. By the way, let's add that as a three-point, a, 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 a sub-point of, of, of three, godly counsel. 
One of the ways you can know that God is speaking to you oftentimes is by after your journey, you look back and you see the trajectory that you've been going on. Now, this is a little bit different when you're 15, right? Because at 15, your trajectory is that long. You've got that much of a trail. But if you're 50, you can look back and here's what you will oftentimes say. Man, look at the direction my life is going. And you can say, well, if it's going this direction for 50 years and, and, here's a caveat, I've been trying to be obedient for all these years. I've been, I've been listening to God in those key moments in my life. When you get to this point, you can look and go, you know, if God's leading me this direction, I probably should go this direction. I don't think it's very often that God makes us do right-hand turns, if we're walking in his will. Now, again, that's just, that's just my observation. But I think it's only logical, right? And here's why. Because everything he did in your life here, and everything he did in your life here, and the things he taught you here, and the things he showed you here, are so that when you're there, you'll have the tools and the skills you need for there. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, man, that's good preaching. It's good, Right? And it's so, so very simple. Um, the fact is, the trajectory of our life, if we're being obedient, is going to probably be very consistent. One of the things in my own life that that was part, and by the way, all of these steps is what I was doing, what we were doing in our own life. We're looking and we're going, you know what? This is like a duh, aha moment because God has already been at work and everything he's been doing has been leading us. And by the way, don't forget, what you're doing here is not a waste. What you're doing here is ministering to people and loving people and serving people. And, and it's not like you're going to do ministry. No, you are doing ministry, but God is both using you and preparing you. So it's the now and it's the what next. That's why daily obedience is so important. Because your daily obedience in something simple, something minuscule, may be something that might seem small, but it's a critical key component in what God is going to do with you tomorrow. Because you can't build a house by putting a roof on before you build a foundation. And you don't build the walls and leave the sheathing off before you put the roof on. No, you do it step by step by step. And the reason is everything down here supports what's going up here, right? So as you're listening to God's voice, listen to what God is saying through godly wise people. But also look at the, tra look at the trajectory of your life. And then match those things up. The fourth thing, and this is kind of, I think, over this whole passage is... The word of the Lord was speaking. He's already given us a word. And it's, it's the Bible. So God has already given us everything we need to know. I believe we, we're, we're without nothing through Scripture. We don't have the specific details, but we have the generalities enough to know that if I believe God is calling me to do this particular thing here, my first um, recourse is to say, okay, Lord, I hear you and my answer is yes, but I want to confirm that through your word. I want to double check that against your word. This is the key, right? 
When you're in school and your teacher is having a rough day and, and you're the teacher's pet, what do they do? They give you the answer key and they give you the test and they go, hey, match that up. Did y'all ever get that? I used to get to do that. You know, they had them punched out. And you would, the key told you what was correct and what was not. This is the key. So if you hear God telling you to go south and the Bible says, thou shalt not go south, you got a problem. Actually, you don't have a problem. You just haven't heard God. Because God will never, ever contradict his word with something he tells you. He'll never do it. Why? Just like as a parent, I want to be consistent with my children because I don't want to confuse them, but I also don't want to be a liar. And if God tells you something that he doesn't confirm in his word, then that makes him a liar, and he's not. And so Samuel listened to the Lord, and when God called him, he said, here I am, speak, for your servant is listening. Now, one of the really neat things about this is, every time God called Samuel, how did he say it? What, what's recorded is this, Samuel, Samuel. Every time God called anybody in Scripture, how did he do it? I say every time, most every time at least. Moses, Moses, Saul, Saul, right? He always called their name. And, it, and, and, and the, he, he says it twice, indicating to us that God is not like anybody out there who'd like to go south. No, it's like, I'm choosing you, Alan. Right here, right? I'm choosing you, Peyton. I'm not choosing him and I'm not choosing her for this thing. I'm choosing you. I'm calling your name. Keone, I'm calling you. I know you. Keone, Keone. God has a purpose and a plan, and if we believe that, we listen for him to call our name, and we say, okay, I, I hear it. Yes, yes. Yes, Lord. What do you want? Now, here's the, here's the really thing. Here's the really strange thing. When God got Samuel's attention, Samuel had already given him a yes, but then God told Samuel something he did not want to hear. Look at what he said. He said, Samuel... Verse 11, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I've sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never, will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. And then... Bible says, Samuel lay down until morning. Let me tell you what that means. Even though there were only two or three hours left to sleep, he didn't sleep. He laid on his bed, no doubt, going, oh, man. I told the Lord yes, but I really don't like what he heard. Why? Samuel was a servant in the temple. Eli was the priest. And so Eli was Samuel's boss, Eli was the spiritual leader, and yet God said to Samuel, Samuel, I'm about to pass judgment on Eli and his entire family, and it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be horrendous. In fact, I'm going to do in his life what I've already told him I'm going to do, but I'm telling, and I, if I was Samuel, here's what would be going through my mind. Lord, why are you telling me this? Why do I need to know this? I'm just 12. I'm, I'm just, I just light the lamps. I open the doors and I hang the curtains. I mean, what, what are you telling me this? Go talk to Eli. And God says, no, I'm telling you. 
Why are you telling me? Here's the beautiful part about it. He was telling telling Samuel because God had a purpose in Samuel's life that could only come to pass through this happening. And I'll show you that in a minute. The next morning, Samuel gets out of bed. Again, I don't think he slept at all. I mean, would you sleep if you knew that you're, you had this condemnation of your boss? Well, maybe, yeah, maybe you would if you didn't like your boss. But still, you'd be like, woo! Then you wouldn't sleep for excitement, right? Don't say yes to that. Especially if you're Saga or Matthew. That's not good. So, so here's the thing. All night, he, he, he lay there. He got up the next day, and I just imagined this scene, okay? This is made up in my head. He goes into the kitchen, and he's cooking breakfast, and kind of keep, you know, he's not, not making eye contact with anybody. He's like, I'm just going to mind my own business. Eli walks in. Hey, Samuel. So, uh, you talked to God last night? Yeah. So, uh, what did he say? Mm, nothing. Nothing. You know, we, we just talked. Samuel. Samuel. And then Eli says to Samuel, if you don't tell me exactly what God said, God's judgment will be on you. And Samuel's like, here's what the Lord said. You know what? When I read this, I'm reminded that God doesn't always call us to something we're happy to do. But it's always what's best for his kingdom and for our hearts. Always. And it often, if not always, requires courage and faith on our part. Did y'all hear me? What God calls you to do will often require courage and faith on your part. After all, why do you need God if you don't need God? And so he said yes. He, he spills the beans to Eli. And here's the beautiful part. He was expecting Eli, I, I'm just imagining... He was expecting Eli to take out his wrath upon Samuel because that's what normally happens in those situations. You shoot the messenger. But Eli said to Samuel, essentially, the Lord is God. If that's what the Lord said, then that's what the Lord will do. Here's why. Because God was already at work in Eli. Eli already knew this. God had already spoken to this. He was just using Samuel to bring about the timing and the the moment that it was going to come to pass. And here's why it was important that God told Samuel. Watch this. In the last verse, verse 19 and 20, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him, and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear, appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word, and Samuel's words, became, uh, words came to all Israel. This was the launching of a ministry for Samuel. The ministry of being a prophet. He spoke to the nation. And it all started since before he was born. But he didn't see it until he was 12 or so years old. And the Lord had an event in his life that required obedience For him to become Samuel, the prophet of God. Do you all see that? That's why every time God speaks to you, obedience is absolutely essential. Because everything that he says to you is a building block for his future purpose and plan in your life. And if you say no to him and then develop a habit of saying no to him, you're going to wind up in a way different place than where he's really called you to be. 
And by the way, if you're in a way different place than where God called you to be, you will find heartache and hopelessness and brokenness and misery. You will be unfulfilled and unsatisfied, guaranteed 100%, because the only way to be fully fulfilled and satisfied is to be in the center of the, God, of the will of the God who made you. That's it. So whether it's God sending you to Africa or sending you to Panera Bread, if God says, go, you must go. How hard it is doesn't really matter. Whether or not you have the money doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters, but not if God said go. All of those other details belong to God. So my question to you is this. You're in a boat right now. Have you heard God's voice? And are you willing to step out of the boat? You know what I prayed for you this morning? I prayed that the Lord would let today be a line in the sand. I prayed that God would, would let today be one of those days where you would remember forever. Because it was a moment where you, you took a huge step in the direction of faithfulness and obedience of where God is calling you to be. I believe that God has a purpose in a specific place and a people for each of us. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Some of y'all aren't going to hear about that purpose and place until you are obedient in these smaller steps. Some of you may need to pick up a toilet brush. Right? Because it's in, it's in scrubbing the toilets that God teaches you humility. Some of you need to pick up a set of keys and just start driving somebody around. Because it's in that that you realize that it's about His glory and not yours. Some of you need to do some mundane things because he needs to teach you some things to get you to the point of where you really have influence. And by the way, that is biblical. Jesus said, to some I gave ten talents, to some I gave five, to some I gave one. The guy with ten, I came back and I said, what did you do with the ten I gave you? And he said, look, I invested it and I, and I, and I made a profit. Here's, here's, the, here's the excess from what I did with what you gave me. And Jesus said, well done. I'm going to give you twice as many because I can trust you. And then when he gave five, he said, look, I invested it and I, and, I, and, I, and I put it to work and I'm giving you more than you gave me. And Jesus said, well done because you have been faithful in the little things. I will give you more responsibility. And the one with one, he said, look, I was afraid that I would lose it. And so I dug a hole and I put it in the hole and I buried it. And here's the one back that, I, that, that you gave me. Now, as a teenager... I used to really be frustrated at this parable because I was like, wait a minute, that is so unfair. He did the only smart thing. But see, what I didn't get is that God gave them something that wasn't theirs, and by giving it to them, he also gave them a command, and that is, steward what I give you. If you lose it, at least you failed in faith. But if you just try to bury it and protect it and preserve it, I'm going to take it away and give it to someone else who will do with it something for the kingdom of God. Listen, this is a warning to you. If God has blessed you and you choose to dig a hole and bury it, God will take it away. Because he hasn't blessed you to protect things. He's blessed you to produce fruit. That's why he's blessed you. 
Oh, and by the way, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of losing it. God's got a whole lot of them back in the back. I actually think God gives us some things, and he hopes we fail. So that after we fail, we go, man, that was so miserable. God goes, what'd you learn? Well, I learned this, this, this. Well, great. Here's another one. Try again. And after, here's another one. Try again. Here's another one. Try again. That's who our God is. Amen? So what does God say to you? That's your assignment. This morning, if you've not ever trusted Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do so. There's a God who extends his arms to you. He says, come to me, all who are weary and brokenhearted, and I will give you rest. You know what? You can't find rest in this world apart from Jesus. The Bible says our sin condemns us to hell, separation from God for all of eternity. But the Bible says that in his goodness, he has chosen to rescue us, to call us out, to buy us back from the brokenness of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to invite you to place your faith in him. It's not a prayer that you pray. It's a submission of your heart and your will to him as Lord. So this morning, if you're watching my TV or Facebook, or if you're in this room, I want to invite you to trust him, either with salvation or trust him with what's next. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Lord, I, I'm excited about the, the gifts and the talents that you've given each of us in this room. Lord, we have everything we need to do exactly what you've called us to do. So may, be, may we be faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.